welcome to episode number 40 of Slaying It with Santa Rob. I hope you guys have been enjoying what you're listening to. Um, got some good stuff coming up again. Today is no exception again. Um, I, I want to remind you, if, if you're listening to, on Spotify or whatever platform you're listening to, hit that subscribe button. I don't want you to miss anything that's coming up. Um, yeah, there's some good stuff coming up. Um, and, and also, you know, if you want to hear something in particular, drop me an email, uh, SantaRobPodcast at gmail.com, or just head over to Slaying It With Santa Rob on Facebook and leave me a message. But let's get into uh, today's episode. I'm going to be talking to a guy that I met a, a while back at a Comic-Con, who's uh, been doing this for a while. He's got, a, he's got quite a history. Uh, we run into him quite often at, at uh, local shows, or the Comic-Cons that we, that we go. I shouldn't say just local. Local means Indianapolis, and we're, we're a little bit of everywhere. But uh, today we're going to get into the mind of Adam Fields. So welcome to the sleigh, Adam Fields. Can you hear me, Adam? Yeah, can you hear me? You are loud and clear. Matter of fact, I have to turn you down. The earbuds are working well tonight. Oh, awesome. awesome. There we awesome. go. So if you're just uh, just now starting to listen, I'm on the phone with the guy I met a couple years back. Actually, I've known who he was, but we really never talked until uh, the show last year. But I'm on with uh, Adam Fields. Adam, how, how are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing wonderful. You know, in today's world, wonderful is a good thing because there's a lot of people who aren't so wonderful. So let's make their life a little bit brighter. Absolutely. I agree with that. So, but uh, I thought it'd be fun to have another artist on the show, somebody who uh, does the cons to to, uh, spread a little information out so they can get used to your work, where they can find you, what you do, and Good stuff like that. How's that sound? I love it. I absolutely love it. Thank you. Absolutely. But if I remember right, I think the last show we were at together was Cincinnati last year. Yeah, Cincinnati. That was a fun time. That was an interesting time, to say the least. <laughs> it sure was. Very musically. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a distinct hatred for... Uh, certain instruments now but uh, absolutely me too I've, I've had that hatred for that instrument for a while because of a friend of mine who was unfortunately in your guys's uh situation uh not too long ago so oh no yeah. it happened to him too her yeah yeah oh. it, it, it it struck and and every time we're at a show um she always goes is is it there and i said it is I think that's honestly why she stopped coming to Cincinnati. Uh, you know, the the only upside to that whole show last year was uh, donuts. And, oh yeah, and, and we, great. we we ate those reluctantly. <laughs> <laughs> right, and the apologetic donut. <laughs> and I'm I'm here to tell you, the apologizing did not work. But uh, <laughs> that's that, that's enough. But. For, for people who don't who don't know what you do, 
I'm on your I'm on your uh, midnight twenty four or excuse me midnight twenty seven studios dot com site now. Yeah. So so for the guys who aren't uh, aren't following me online at the moment, what do you do? What what got you? What what's your thing? If yeah. you go to a con. So I'm actually a full-time comic book illustrator. I do covers. I do interior. And basically the whole process, uh, pencil, ink, color. Um, and, uh, you know, the, they'll hire me for certain parts of their project, mainly the, the storytelling side, the interior line art is what I prefer to do. Um, but uh, I'm also in basically a uh, independent publisher, so I self-publish my own uh, work, and uh, I help other people get their start, and I walk them through the self-publishing process as well. I'm currently working on a gentleman's first book right now. It's a graphic novel. He's going all in with a 68-page graphic novel. So once it's uh, all completed, I'm going to walk him through how to get the physical copy. So it's, it's a fun, so you, fun job. So you're going to set them up on where to go, how mm-hmm. to go about, where to get it printed, um, yep. how to distribute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the so, distribution is, is part that still kind of hangs me up because right now I'm doing that, that grassroots, you know, marketing where we're at shows hawking books at people and, uh, not, I'm not necessarily doing cold call, but I, I do some whatnot sales. I'll do, uh, you know, Facebook live sales, just kind of getting out there because I don't, I have a hard time working with one uh, distributor that takes a huge chunk of your profits. So, right. um, as a self, you know, self-published, Ideally, it'd be great to have it in all these short, all these stores, but then you're competing with all the other books that are on the shelf. Whereas, you know, if I'm at a show, someone can walk up, I could have that personal connection with them and uh, tell them the why behind the the what. And uh, right. chances are they're walking away with something, if if not a book, a smile. So. Well, I'm probably going to jump around in this a whole lot because oh, that's fine. Just, I have ADD, so we're good. <laughs> we're we're gonna we're gonna get along fine because there's a shiny object in front of me right now. So nice, you know, it's <laughs> it's just gonna go. So, how long have you been doing this then? Uh, full time for eight years. Um, so when I, you say full yeah. time, you, you don't you don't have a nine to five gig. This is this uh. is what you do. This is my my nine to nine gig, and I'm talking wow. nine in the morning to nine in the morning. It's it's all I do. I absolutely love it, and uh, it's something. It's a dream come true to say the least. I I had always grown up being told art was a a, a beautiful hobby, but you got to have a real job to fall back on. Meanwhile, you had at that time growing up, you had cartoons that people were animating. You had, you know, people trying, trying to break into comics as a career. You had, you know, graphic design was starting to take off with, you know, I always go to the cereal box metaphor where, you know, someone needs to design all that, you know? So, um, never thinking about it, but I, I wanted to, you know, work for Disney. That was like going to be my, my big move. But as I got older, I decided, you know, 
graphic design was going to be where I, I lay my hat because that's one of the most, that's the closest field to art that I was able to get until uh, I had talked to a few people that made their own comic. I said, why can't I do that? I was in a pretty, you know, I was in a decent uh, corporate position in marketing at a uh, manufacturer and uh, they had decent clients. They were a great company to work for, but at the time I had been there for nine years and I was basically told this is as high up as I could go. And right. that seemed, that, that kind of stifled uh, my, my uh, excitement for the place, especially when I told them, Hey, I want to do the graphic design. And they told me uh, my, my director at the time, she looked me in the eye and she goes, I just don't think you're capable. Even though I had been fixing all of our marketing firms, uh, mistakes, um, fixing all their design work flaws and doing little tiny things here, you know, as a, uh, a break from my normal market research and strategic planning. Um, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I said, you can't tell me I can't do something. So uh, I decided I was working on my comic book series, Prowl at the time and decided I'm going to try this. So, I did a bunch of research, started taking commissions, and uh, it kind of just blew up from there. That's pretty crazy. See, I, I have to tip my hat to you because the, the current place that I'm at now, I was at a place for 14 years, and then they got acquired by another company that does the exact same thing. Mm. So all I, all I did was move a mile away into a different building doing the same thing. I've never had the I've never had the guts to get up and just say screw it. So this may will be 19 years that I've been stuck in the rut. Mm. So I yeah. credit you for uh, for saying uh, it's time to do something. There, yeah. oh, thank you. It it was it's something you know I've always wanted to do, and I ever since I was three years old, art has been my calling, and. I know some people are like, they probably don't believe me when I tell them that age, but the truth is my mom and dad took me over to my dad's uncle's house. Um, and we were, I don't know why we were visiting there. We just were. And uh, he noticed I was just doodling. Well, he sat me down at one of those old school desks with the wood platform and the metal base that you could put your books under. Love that yeah. chair. I still have the desk to this day out in my garage and he drew a steam engine in perspective. And at three years old, it blew my mind. I remember it very vividly. It was like magic and something in that moment sparked. And I hadn't started drawing ever since when I got home and I had just been creating, creating, and it was just something that just, came naturally and it it made sense so there was not a single margin of paper in school that was safe from my doodles um yeah. there i got in trouble for drawing more than i did you know instead of taking my notes even though i was a decent student um mm -hmm. but it was just something i wanted to do and uh i was not about to let anyone tell me i couldn't do art for a career and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to be doing it uh, for so long um, because uh, there was a, a woman, uh, this is the story I, I really tell that 
inspired me to uh, pursue something. There was a woman I worked with on the, the factory floor when I first got hired at this place. And, uh, you know, sad, sad story warning, but it, it, it fueled me. This woman was kind of bitter. She absolutely hated me. <laughs> hated me. I, I don't know why. Um, she always would call the plant manager down. She would always have, you know, uh, people look over my work, tell me I, I wasn't doing it right when they looked there and said, he's doing right. Well, then I ended up getting promoted to uh, tech service where I was writing the technical manuals. Um, right. And uh, so obviously I knew kind of what I was talking about. And she had been there forever. Well, I while I was, was there, um, she had ended up retiring. And two weeks later, she passed away. And that sat so hard on me. I'm like, man, she was so bitter. She couldn't even retire and enjoy her freedom after all those years of work. And I'm sitting there going, I, I don't want to work until I'm bitter. I want to enjoy life. And, you know, I have, I was a young father. Um, I have a 16 year old going on 17. I have a uh, 11 year old now and I'm 37 and I've actually got to grow with my kids and enjoy the time together. Whereas yeah. instead of doing something I absolutely hate and becoming bitter towards them, towards family, towards everybody. Uh, I, I was like, I can't, I don't want to do that. Life's way too short. So that's, that's kind of the motivation behind why I decided to put my foot down and say, I got to do something with what gifts and talents I've been given. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing what kids, how kids will change your perspective on life. Absolutely. I do everything yeah. with them. Yeah. And, and I'm the same way. I grew up, my, my parents both died when I was young. Mm -hmm. I've got a, I've got a 19-year-old daughter who's in college. I've got a 28-year-old son um, who, who lives, he, matter of fact, he just recently moved back in with us. And I think I've done more with those two guys, with, with my son and daughter, simply because I missed everything with my parents dying early on me. Mm -hmm. and, and, you, and you realize they're the most important people in the world. So you, you do do everything humanly possible to keep them going, so... Yeah, I, I think that's great that, and not only are you doing it for your kids, your wife travels with you to the cons. Yeah, when she can, absolutely. She's, she is, she's been, you know, um, the biggest supporter of what I do, but she's also been the realest supporter. And, you know, everyone, we always post our highlights on online. So nobody mm -hmm. truly gets a, a peek of the, the work that goes into it. Like you, you know, there, you know, being the creative, there's a lot of lows, a lot of self doubt, a lot of imposter syndrome, a lot of negative connotations that come with this career, but you never post that, you know, we always nope. go, Hey, look what the new thing is coming out. You know, you're trying to amp up everybody, but she right. sees it all. You know, she gets to right. see me when I'm frustrated because I can't draw this character. I've drawn a thousand times. I, you know, she sees when I'm frustrated at, at a customer because they keep changing things They, you know, she gets to see the rawness of it. And there's been times mm -hmm. where she's had, you know, she's played devil's advocate. She goes, is this truly what you want? Is this worth all this, you know? And 
some may see that as not supportive, but I see it because she is asking those hard questions that, you know, we should be asking ourselves where I need to reflect like, okay, I might be frustrated now, but I know this is just going to pass. And, you know, uh, she gets me back into that headspace where I'm able to jump right back into work. So, you know, support comes in completely, you know, different ways when it comes to that. Um, she's unable to travel with me to a lot of my shows, uh, here recently just because of of her job she's got now. Uh, we just recently moved like, uh, two years ago or almost two years ago. And, uh, so her, her show appearances are few far in between, which breaks my heart because whenever I'm at a show, I never get, Hey Adam, how are you? It's, Hey, where's your wife? So (laughs) he's made an impact. (laughs) On every yeah, yeah. I, I I was looking at your schedule and said, "When, when are we going to see Amy again?" I mean, I, Adam, no yeah. big deal. But yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's true, and you know, but she is one of the kindest people and the most genuine people at at these shows. You know, she greets everybody with a smile, and she'll remind me of of you know certain things. She's like, "Oh, remember he he was coming to pick this up?" I'm like, "That's it. Thank you." Because sometimes I just get overwhelmed. And uh, yeah, it's good to have that kind of support there and yeah. here. Yeah, I can relate to that. I did concert promoting for eight years. And uh, my wife watched me have nervous breakdowns quite often. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, so. it's so real, you know. We, um, we're always in this creative mindset that you know, we're always trying to think or promote and especially uh, I'm a sole proprietor of, of my LLC. It's so it's just me that does all the work uh, mm-hmm. from marketing to accounting to, uh, you know, keeping track of my books and taxes. And, and I'm a one man show. If, if someone orders something from me, I'm going to draw it and also package it, make the, the label and run it out to the post office. So you know, until I'm able to grow a little bit, everything's here in my house in my my home studio. So I don't I don't have a staff. I am the staff. So uh, you know that that breakdown is because you know there's a lot to do more than what most people think going into a creative right. uh, job or even any job if you were doing it all by yourself. Right. Yeah, it's a challenge. But you've kind of got a, a neat setup, though, because I got to believe that with your contacts that you have at, at cons, mm-hmm. you meet, you've, you've got a good support system. Oh, absolutely. I got some of the best friends coming out of this. Um, I, man, I, I think back, like, if I need to pass stuff over to somebody, I, I have a, probably a list of five, six people that I know would lend a hand immediately. Heck, I've, I've had people offer, they're like, hey, if you need help with like shipping and stuff, let me know. And I'm like, that's great. I don't think you want to drive five hours, you know, th- but they their hearts are all in the right place. You know, right. I know if I was closer to some of these, some of my friends, you know, like got buddies in Texas that I know would fly up here just to hang out and, and help with whatever. They're you know, we're all selfless towards each other. So, you know, but that's the, the key is you got to give just as much as, as everyone else is willing to give. They know if they called and needed help, I, I'd do whatever I can to help. 
Now, you you mentioned that uh, you've you've got a your own book called Prowl. Mm-hmm. Do you are you also the author or just mm-hmm. the artist for that? Huh? I am everything on that except the colorist. My I decided to hire my buddy to color because he is not just a, a colorist, but he is a fantastic artist. So I know he would he would he gave it the uh, dark and gritty tone that I wanted, but he also brought it to life with stuff that I would not have thought of on the pages. Okay. He gave it some atmosphere. And what's what's crazy is I I had already released seven issues about five years ago, um, almost six years ago now. But the problem is I did the whole thing wrong. It was the first thing I ever did um, in the comic book world. And I didn't know what I was doing. I was really, you know, um, using it as like, this is, this is what I want to be known for. I want this to be my spawn, you know? And uh, so I write issue one, I published issue one and I did all the work, you know, artwork and lettering and everything. And I published issue one and it took about two months or so to get all the, the artwork done. Cause I had really nothing on my plate at the time. Uh, I was already working my corporate job. And then um, I, after I published it about a week or so, like I had people message me. That was great. When's, when's issue two? I went, Oh crap. I don't know. <laughs> like, I didn't know. So I wrote issue two and, and I did that. Like I knew what I wanted to, you know, the story to be, but I didn't like outline it. So I ended up getting right. seven done and um, published and, and out there, but I wrote myself in a corner and I kind of frustrated myself where I literally gave up on it. I said, I I'm, I'm angry. I started getting more work. So I invested in that because that's what was paying the bills at the time. And I just sort of let Prowl go. Well, after, you know, I think I probably, I think I'd worked on about 10 other titles, um, mm-hmm. other, other publishers. I had a pretty good idea of how to story tell and what worked, like what I like to work with and what I didn't. And, I all of a sudden one morning I decided I had this idea about one o'clock in the morning that I'm going to remaster Prowl. And I jolted awake. I had an idea that I really wanted to include and how it would fit together. I hadn't thought about Prowl in, in forever and it just kind of hit me. So I, I shot up, you know, went to the, my studio. My wife thought I was sick. She was like, you okay? I said, I got to write. She goes, okay, I'm going back to bed. And then she went back to bed. And by the time she got up to get ready for work and to get the boys ready for school, I had already roughed out um, the whole volume, volume one of, of Prowl, the remaster. So I set out to do that. And I've been working on that now for about a year and a half. And we have issue one out um, of the remaster. Okay. But talking with Chad and, and doing multiple shows, last year's shows were kind of different. We can talk about that in a little bit. But yeah. after being at shows, I realized it is so hard to sell single-issue comic books of an indie title. Most yes. people don't go to indie to, for collecting. They go to indie for reading. They want something new and fresh. So 
after talking with Chad, I we had decided let's make this a graphic novel. So now I'm pitching issue one as kind of a preview issue because in October I'm wanting to launch a Kickstarter for the full graphic novel, which would be all six issues compiled into one. The artwork's already, the script's all done. The artwork's already underway. And Chad is just waiting for me to send him stuff to color. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're on track for that October deadline uh, for the Kickstarter. Because my whole thing is I'm not launching a Kickstarter unless artwork's done. Like, right. you're not going to wait on me to complete it after spending your hard money. No way. I'm not going to sit That's... there on, on that. That's one of the most frustrating things. I, I love Kickstarter, but there's nothing worse than forgetting that you paid for something. Exactly. Exactly. And I I always said when I do it, and my first Kickstarter, because that's what I did with Prowl 1, it was funded within 24 hours. Um, and we okay. exceeded. I had to end up coming up with uh, um, stretch goals. I'm like, oh, crap. Uh, what, what do I do now? So I came up with some stretch goals. And uh, it, it was it was awesome. I almost, you know, I think I was over 160 percent funded at the end of it. My goal was a thousand. I almost hit three. So it wow. was it was amazing. Um, people really liked it. So I, I expect to do that with the uh, graphic novel. And that's just what we're going to do, because I feel I can release one book a year. And that should suffice, almost like a movie. You know, people will mm -hmm. be excited for next year's book as long as, you know, they'll have, you know, this year. And there may see, be some stuff like one one shots that I decide to throw in because I really like the, the story of Prowl. I love the characters I'm coming up well, with. The one, then. one thing that you just said that I was impressed with is your goal is only $1,000. I see some guys on there that are just ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and after talking to a few buddies of mine, um, Stuart Sager was one of them. He looked at me because he had launched a Kickstarter for his uh, – he had some deleted pages out of his book um, that, you know, he was doing some anniversary for his series. And uh, we were talking campaign, and he said, you know, I'm setting my goals low because I'm printing it anyway. So it's not like I'm relying on this money to pay. I'm not trying to pay myself back for the artwork. I already paid Chad for the book. So I'm, you know, I, we're printing the book regardless. So why jack up the, the price of the campaign? All I'm trying to do is just get more readers. That's my goal. Right. I'm not out here trying to make right. thousands of dollars through Kickstarter. I'm just trying to get readers at this point. Um, so yeah, it's, that's my my thing. So yeah, my goal was just a simple thousand. It would cover print costs, and it got more people, you know, to read it. So, um, yeah, I see people out here trying to raise six, seven, even you know, five digits. And I'm like, what? What'd you get yourself into where you need that much? You right, know? you're not producing an album. Uh uh, no way. <laughs> now I will say. I will say, after I develop my world just a little bit more, one realm that I'd love to get into is board games. And now that is where I've seen some huge growth in, uh, and, and huge goals for 
you know, at right. least starter. And I understand that because there's a whole manufacturing side of things that need to take place. So whenever I do, am comfortable with going that route, I think, uh, I think, yeah, my goal would have to be pretty hefty for that. But by then it should be a no brainer. Like, okay, even if I ask for 20,000 for a board game, I want to make sure like, oh, that's a low number for this type of, uh, you know, item. So right. that's always my well, thought. There's, there's a whole lot of pieces. There's a whole lot of manufacturing. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you can't sell that on Amazon as a print on demand. Right. <laughs> you know, there, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot more to it. So, yeah, I, I fully understand that. Um, other than Prowl, if somebody goes to a show, what what all are they going to see at your table? Man, they're going to see a whole spread of stuff. Um, so Prowl, you know, is, is my baby. That is Midnight 27 Studios property. Um, other than that, I've also helped publish a nonprofit um, organization's comic book. Uh, we have two mm-hmm. issues of it. It's called the uh, Blue Coat Missionary. But the nonprofit it, themselves is called the Sub-Zero Mission. And they're out of Painesville, Ohio. And what they do is they actually go out and clothe the homeless. So literally this comic book saves lives. They were founded by a uh, a retired Marine. And most of the the workers there were in the armed forces or active in the armed forces at some branch. Um, And during the winter months, they go out every weekend to a city somewhere. And they park a gigantic bus. That's full of what they call the stay alive five uh, sleeping bags, coats, boots, scarves, hats, gloves, stuff to keep them warm because most of the, the people that they're, they're finding can't go to a shelter because they're full or just refuse because of pride. So they literally will sit in the middle of the road or off the side of the road and have a call out through a PA system and, and, you know, they literally have you know, people come up and they hand out what they need. But they also have a team that goes into these camps and finds these people, not only to tell them, hey, we have stuff for you, but to also make sure that they are um, not frostbit or have hypothermia, make sure they're healthy. If they need mm-hmm. any medical aid, they can provide that or get them somewhere. But their biggest goal is they're finding um, homeless veterans. Their whole thing is they're trying to connect homeless veterans with some VA rep or some sort of help to get them back on their feet. So this comic book to me is very, very powerful for the sake that it shows the spirit of who they are with their mascot, Blue Coat Missionary and Shivers, the battle polar bear. Um, and the whole bad guy is death and his cohorts. So each book focuses on, there's only two, but each book so far and and any future book is a demon that represents something that someone in the military will be facing. The first book is PTSD and the demon's name is Petey and he's kind of an annoying little prick. Um, issue mm-hmm. two are three demons um, that represent alcohol and drug abuse. Um, and uh, they're all controlled by, you know, they're trying to tear down 
this person, their target, also death can take them. But Blue Coat Missionary and, and uh, Shivers come to save the day. So those are the two two other books that are under the Midnight 27 imprint label. Um, but those are owned by the Sub-Zero Mission. And okay. people can buy the books at my table for that. They can even buy them off my website. But I always tell people to go to the subzeromission.org and purchase them there because that helps fund them because right. after right. their um, their winter trip and their winter deliveries, they spend all their money fundraising for restock. So and they also right. take donations of clothes, socks, hats, whatever. Their website explains everything in detail, but I rather people buy it directly from them so that they can get the uh, proceeds. Um, okay. Other than that, you will find a superhero title by Victor Dandridge um, at Vantage in House Productions called Point of Authority, issues one and okay. two. And issue three, which wraps up the miniseries, um, is set to be published later this year. It's all done. I think it's getting lettered at this point. Um, it's a superhero story about. Uh, uh, family superheroes and, and uh, secret agents and uh, one of the characters wants to uh, don his gold guardian persona but it's not what you think and he really shouldn't do that so you get to follow a, a crazy you know dysfunctional family type story it's it was a lot of fun to do real epic superhero stuff something that I actually this is my first superhero story that I had the chance to uh, bring to life. So that was really fun. I was just the line artist on that. Um, I work with another smaller publisher called Sierra Nova, and we have Ink Issues 1, Ink Issue 2, and I officially start Ink Issue 3 this week. Um, that's a paranormal, um, I guess, borderline superhero uh, story. He's a gentleman named Shane has a tattoo that gives him uh, these supernatural powers to fight um, the city's underbelly crime lords. So it's a lot of fun to bring to life. And then we are working on another series called Scale, which is more martial arts, uh, martial arts based. So that one's, that one's really fun. We only have one issue of that. Um, and then you will find Roadkill Rampage from Hazem, created by Rodney okay. Pike. I've illustrated. I know Rodney. Rodney is yeah. the man. It's the most recent book that I've done. I did issue four or three and four to wrap up the uh, Roadkill Rampage series. Um, that was a lot of fun, a lot of gore. He let me just go wild with it, and uh, I had so much fun bringing to life his crazy visions um so you can grab all four issues as well and there is a collector's box for that featuring my artwork as well uh in the box you get all four issues some cool little merch that uh, rodney and tina put together and then a uh, an exclusive metal cover of issue three uh nice. that's in the the collector box uh what else have i worked on screen boy is our kid friendly book. I am currently out of stock of that, but we are about ready to launch issue two. 
So I should be re restocked on Screen Boy as well. The Kid with a Thousand Stories. They are the um, monitors of the fictional dimension. So every movie that you and I watch, we can thank them that it plays out the same every single time because they keep people from jumping into them and stealing Luke Skywalker's lightsaber or the DeLorean or whatever. But he's 10 years old and he has access to this tech. So he goes in and has a little bit of fun. And of course, everything goes south from there. And it's just a fun adventure for kids, especially someone like me that has ADD. Um, he jumps into all sorts of different styles. So there's a Looney Tunes world. There's a Lovecraft world. There's a pirate world. There's an anime manga world. There's a Disney style world. Like It's just a lot of fun to bring to life. Um, and that then, does sound like fun. Now, you, yeah. you, you've also got sketch cards, don't you? I do have sketch cards. I work with Upper Deck. I've worked with them for about six years now. And I've worked you on over upper deck. Upper deck. Okay. Yep. Now I'm, you you just impressed me again, Adam. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah, I love it. Um, I've worked with them on multiple Marvel sets. Um, some of the key sets have been Marvel Premiere, uh, Marvel Masterpiece, Marvel Flare, and then um, some of the bigger ones for the MCU were. Infinity War, Endgame, Deadpool, Into the Spider-Verse, the 10-year anniversary of the MCU. Um, and then I just completed the the latest set was Avengers versus X-Men. And I just sent my latest one. I can't say what the set is, but it has nothing but women uh, okay. on the set. So... Um, and then I have two sitting here next to me, two brand new sets that I have to get done by March. And then I also signed on for a new set of Scooby-Doo. So on nice. top of Marvel, I'll be doing Scooby-Doo cards. So Upper Deck's really fun. So how did you get involved with Upper Deck and, and Marvel? Because that's, that seems like it would be quite the uh, task. It is. Um, Marvel is very picky about who or what you draw and how you draw it. Um, they have a whole packet of rules that you can. So you know, some of the rules make sense. Like you know, don't draw Nazis and swastikas. You know, especially when it comes to you know Captain America and Red Skull and stuff. Don't draw right. Logan. Um, or Wolverine smoking a cigar. Don't you know? Don't draw busty, over-sexualized women. Like rules like that, because these are supposed to be of all age um, stuff. If you're drawing right. a gun or a weapon, make sure that it looks fantasy and nothing in the real world, and it can't be pointed at the reader or the viewer. So that one's kind of fun. But then there's some obscure ones, like if you're drawing Howard the Duck, he has to have pants. Um, <laughs> no food or drinks. Yeah, that one always got me. No food or drinks. So the rules, like, there's a whole list of rules that you can and cannot do. Um, I got dinged on my last set. So there's a Jubilee card that I did for this previous X Men versus Avengers set that no one got to see 
because I drew her blowing bubblegum. And apparently, even though that's a character trait of her, they don't want to see anyone portrayed with food. So that's the only thing that me and my, my art rep can think of as to why they rejected her. That kind of sucked. But there's also, like, you can't draw the, um, you can't draw Deadpool on most of these cards unless it's his set. You can't draw any Fantastic Four because of licensing things. So there's a lot of legality things with Marvel. Um, how I got involved with them, it's, I never applied. Um, I was actually at Cincinnati Comic Expo a few years ago. And I happened to be at a, at a panel talk. And uh, while I was there doing my talk, my wife was running my table. And when I came mm -hmm. back from our panel... You know, she always briefs me on, you know, so-and-so bought something. They'll be back to have you sign it. You know, she briefed me. And as as we, we were briefing, and she looked and she goes, but there was also someone here that I think is somebody. And I went, okay, normal, she's got really good discernment. Her gut instinct is nine times out of ten spot on. So I always lo I looked at her. I said, what do you mean somebody? She goes, I don't know. I just have a feeling. He came over, he thumbed through every single thing that you had and didn't say a word. Even when I greeted him, he just looked up at me and then kept looking. And then he walked away. I said, well, that happens all the time. Like, he's probably just shy. Like, you know, yeah. a beautiful girl says hi to him. I said, she goes, stop it. That's not what I mean. <laughs> she, she said he, the way he was looking at things, it, she's like, I think he's a scout. I said, okay, I don't think you're going to scout at Cincinnati Expo. Well, she goes, well, while you've been sitting here talking to people, he's been standing in that corner watching you. I went, well, that's creepy. You know, I just picture Michael Myers <laughs> off in the distance, you know. <laughs> I said, well, okay. She goes, after I got done talking to a few people, she goes, hey, that guy I told you about, he walked up and just swiped a business card and walked off. I said, oh, okay, that's whatever. You know, you just you meet some really interesting people at cons. So I don't think right. anything of it. Well, about two weeks later, I end up getting an email um, from Upper Deck saying, hi, we'd like to extend an offer out for Marvel Premiere. You know, here's the pricing. Here's how many cards and blah, blah, blah. And I went, well, this is fake. You know, like I see the name Marvel. I see pricing i see i'm like this isn't real this is like a nigerian prince thing for nerds i'm not gonna get sucked <laughs> into this and mm -hmm. i i almost deleted it but then i called my dad who had he had given me trading cards forever because as i was looking it up you know marvel premiere kept popping up with upper deck so i said hey dad uh. what's upper deck he goes the card company i said okay so it's legit he goes what's legit and i told him he goes Wait, you got an offer through Upper Deck? I said, I think so. So let me reply and see what's up. So I did, and they, they messaged me back, and it was legit. They That was how I got offered, was just being at the right con at the right time and you know talking to people and having good work. So um, that's – anytime I, I get asked – I get the opportunity to go to different schools and talk about – my career and sort of my, my journey, how, how I got here and how do I keep going forward and what does the future look like? Um, right. And then how can these kids 
get into it. I'm also on an advisory board for my old trade school. So I get to go talk to them a little more in depth and get to know the students a little more in their curriculum. And it's just a lot of fun. But uh, so when I tell them the, the story, I tell them you have to put yourself out there, but you also have to be very genuine because this world is very small. The comic world there. I'm friends with people that I was when I first got started thought would be, I would never be in the same room with them, let alone we were table neighbors and I have their phone numbers now. It's that yeah. small. And um, I tell the, these kids, like, you, you do your best work, but you also be very genuine when you're talking to people. Don't screw people over. Don't, don't be rude. Be, I said, because that's how I end up getting this job with Upper Deck. It, I wasn't looking. I didn't even know that was a thing I could do. And now I have over a thousand cards out in the world somewhere. And more to come. So I built a relationship with them and they continued to give me work. Another set that they got coming that I got signed off for, which I'm so excited for, is a cryptid series. So I get to draw monsters. Oh. And the best thing is there's no licensure behind it. It's Upper Decks set. So my rep said, have fun with this. And I said, oh, I will. I love monsters. I have a werewolf comic book. I love drawing yeah. Mothman. Like, bring it on. <laughs> yeah. You're in your element. I am. So, <laughs> trading cards are fun. Sketch cards are a lot of fun. There's a whole collector market for that. I actually had someone reach out to me on Instagram. I guess he was doing a uh, card break on whatnot and pulled one of my X-Men cards. And he messaged me. He goes, hey. Just letting you know, I pulled your card live on whatnot, and I was hoping this was actually you. And I said, it is. That's awesome. So I got a new follower just because of it. I was like, I wish I kind of would have watched it live. I, so he got a new follower. I'm like, you never know. You might find another one. That's so cool. That's, yeah, I love it. That's a, that's, that's a cool story. Um when well we're we're in oh shoot what did i just do i just shut myself down i hate when i do that <laughs> no i'm good never never mind i'm looking i'm looking at the time on my phone and i'm looking at my mac and i'm going um i have too many screens you just did your first you you just did your first con of the year i did i did this is this year i've i've cut back significantly my record was 33 cons in one year there's only 52 weekends, so that was a really busy year. And it was I, – I kind of front-loaded my career with travel because I knew that's really the only way to get known is to be at these shows, get your artwork and get your face in front of people and talk about it. And it, it really kind of helped, like um, – like give me the practice to talk about my work and get out of that comfort zone of, oh, I don't want to like talk about my work or it's still weird. They're like, Oh, you're so good. And I would just say, well, thank you. Like I, it's, I appreciate the compliments, you know, but it's got you comfortable with talking about your work and the why behind it and how to sell yourself as a, as an artist. Um, so I, I used to do shows almost every, you know, two or three a month 
and that that was fun. But something happened in the past couple years where shows have not been like they they used to be. Um, last last year was has, the weird show. It was, was. A weird season last year. It really was. All my shows that I normally now I gauge success differently than most. Like I we are there to make money um, for sure. Like that's as a business, that's just what you do. So I don't lean heavily on that. Um, when I'm talking to people, I'm not really salesy when I'm talking to people. But last year, every show I went to was upside down. And had it not been for uh, some live streams that we were doing during the show, some of the shows would have been a bust. And that that's tough for me to, to, uh, to admit because I love traveling. I love going and seeing people. And I always hear from, from fans. And they're regulars at my table. And I really care for these people. They always tell me, oh, you should do this show. It's so much fun. Awesome. If I wanted to go and have fun, I'd go as just a fan. But right. what they see are all the people at the show. What you and I see behind the table are people walking by and not buying. Or afraid to even approach you because they don't want pitch to. That's the difference. From this side of the table, it's not near as fun because some people might not be able to spend like they used to, and they're just right. there for the the excitement. And uh, you know, if they walk by certain people, they're going to get you know music played at them and books thrown at them. Whereas if they walk by us, we're going to be genuine and just want to talk to them as a person and say, "Hey, you right. know, feel free to look through. Have have this as an experience." I don't. Buy or don't. It's okay on my my side. I totally get. It. Bills might be tight. You this might be a a splurge for you just to be here. It's free to look. So that's yeah. always my approach. And and the thing is, it's kind of like well you well you've known Ron longer than you've known mm-hmm. me. Ron, Ron's got every price point possible mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from from a from a dollar to whatever if you want the series. And yeah. that's the one thing that's always bothered me about some, some people who display, there is no lower price point. And in today's world, you got to. You got to. And that's honestly what I'm trying to do. Um, I'm actually going to be adding stickers uh, and bracelets and probably keychains to my offerings just for the sake of having something different um, and, and smaller. Um, even an item that I wouldn't mind giving away to a little kid if they they wanted you know what i mean it's right it's tough because all i have right now are prints or books and right there's nothing in between so and this is all stuff that you learn as you go but this year i cut back to eight shows i believe um i'm looking at your schedule now is that complete or is there gonna be anything added um, there might be one more added. So the one I just did was called Monster Fest Mania in Cuyahoga Falls, mm-hmm. Akron. And uh, it was a really fun event. It was a first-year event. I guess they had bought this show from somebody else. And it was, honestly, the crowd was great for a first-year show. Like, it was steady. People were actually buying. Um, there was just – people were there for autographs from um, – a couple of the the celebrities that were there. They weren't like big celebrities. They had the guy that played in um, 
he played Jason Voorhees, I think, in the newer movie. He, then they oh, had yeah. the guy, the guy who played Johnny Darko, uh, or Donnie Darko. Um, he was there. They had the two bathroom girls from Scream One there. They were really funny. So I mean, they had some decent people um, for what this show was. It was focused more on monsters. I did decent. Um, I walked out happy. Plus, it's only an hour away from where I live, so yeah, it was just a quick day trip for me. So, um, but they offered me a guest spot at their other show that they put on for Akron Comic Con. So it's the same guys that put that on. So okay. I might be adding that in November. Um, I just have to look at my my schedule, my kids' schedule, and my wife's schedule to make sure that I'm available to leave that weekend because it is a two day show versus this one day trip. Uh, Your schedule play. threw me on one thing. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have Gem City on there. I don't have Gem City. Um, Gem City was kind of a, a hit last year on me. With it, with me now living four and a half hours away, um, the, and them getting rid of that hotel, or at least that hotel being under construction, uh, mm-hmm. I'd have to drive back and I, I had to I should say last year I had to drive back and forth drove down then I had to drive back and forth and pay, pay for parking um, each day whereas that hotel yeah. validated your parking when you were there so parking was null and void at the end of it you didn't have have that that expense um, I, I I love that show um, and that one was a tough one to decide on but it's in july and that's going to be my son's 17th birthday and uh month i should say and we're working on getting his driver's license he's even talking about taking classes this summer to graduate early and may not even go to school next year so that was a big curveball that he threw us just a couple weeks ago so this year i'm I trimmed some of the ones that that I think would, you know, not pan out the way that I want them to. And and then I know the hotel will eventually open back up. So maybe right. next year I'll return to Gym City. Um, yeah, that one that one was tough to to exit off because all the other ones are relatively close to me, except Indiana Comic Con. That one was yeah, the new one. Yeah. Yep, that one's the new one I've added. Um, my well, I'm going to tell you right now, save, save your money for parking. <laughs> well, so here's the funny thing about that. Um, I'm actually going in with my friend Beth, the chalk girl, and um, oh. Jason. And uh, Jason from So Quiltable. We're actually getting an yeah. Airbnb, and uh, it's only about two blocks away. So we're either going to walk or Uber. So... Um, they we all partnered up for that because so quiltable actually makes quilts out of some of mine and that's artwork okay so yeah so we we partnered up and i'm real excited for that they're they're amazing people and it's it's gonna be nice to like get to know them outside of the con versus you know quick quick passing as we're all exhausted after the day so it'll be a good time the, 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 I, I love living in Indianapolis, but mm-hmm. I cry every time I have to go downtown for, for an event. 
right? I don't care. I don't care what event. Oh, they're proud of their parking. They sure are. Yeah, I mean, but when you're paying forty bucks to park your car for a concert, <laughs> it's like well, really. So I, that I appreciate. Is. Yeah, but we appreciate the the, the ten dollar parking in Cincinnati or the or whatever. I know the the, the Gem City was cheap. Yeah, so I, like it's like wow. We, I always give Ron a hard time about parking. 10 miles away from the convention center downtown Indianapolis. It's like, you're dropping me off. I am not walking this. I but. don't blame you. It, it's a, <laughs> it's a wild ride. Yeah. Um, I've, I've done Indiana one, one other time when I first got started and it was kind of a flop, but I didn't have anything going. Um, I mean, I sold decent, but it just was not at all like what, it could have been had I, you know, been a little later in my career. So I'm real excited to be right. back and uh, see what what the show brings, especially with um, my friends going to be there. Yeah, I, I know Chalk Girls there. I'm, I'm friends with her. Yeah, her, she's uh, husband her. side of the family. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're just good, good people. Yeah, very good people. And then. Uh, yeah, the only other show we're gonna that we're gonna be at that you're you're on here. Well, I can't even say that. We haven't got anything back from Cincinnati Comic Expo yet. Me neither. I haven't received anything, so I put it on there just as a placeholder, um, and basically trying to speak it into existence. Like I want to be there, as I know it's going to be in Sharonville this year. It's going to be at right. uh, their their convention center, which honestly I'm okay with because. Yes, it's a smaller venue, but parking is way easier and way better yeah. for the guests and for vendors. Setup is a heck of a lot easier at that show because yeah. I've done it with um, Horror Hound uh, at that, that event okay. at Convention Center. Yeah. And around the corner is some really nice, you know, basically extended stay hotels um, rooms that you know, are fairly decent. My son and I at Horror Hound, we rented one of those uh, those rooms and it had a full kitchen, like stove, refrigerator, microwave, hot yeah. pans. It it was it was awesome. It was like a little apartment. So I I think this is a really good move. Um and at least Phil, you know, it's it's a it's gonna be a little different from years past. What I also really like right. is the date, October. Because Cincinnati right. always falls on my wife's and my anniversary. So this is the first year. That yeah, this is the first year that her and I do not have to share our anniversary with thousands of people. We can actually have <laughs> a date. And, you know, she she's such a good sport about it. I, you know, I always got the Hyatt for us. I always, we always planned one big meal, um, for our anniversary, you know, just her and I'd go out and then, you know, she was super supportive about it. But when I told her it was in October this year, she rejoiced and I was so excited to see her happy. So <laughs> yeah, it's going to, it's going to be so much fun. I, I guess the other one I was surprised that you weren't on there in the Cincinnati realm is we're going to do a queen city pop. I've never done Which that one. The 
Well, uh, it's the last show. We, we never have. We don't know a thing about it. It's not listed anywhere on the web, but it's the last show inside Duke Energy before the renovation. Huh. It's a, it's a one-day show, and it's put oh, on by the same people who do Cincinnati Comic Expo. Huh. Nice. Yeah, I, I've so, been told I should do Fantasticon in Toledo. We did Fantasticon in Fort Wayne last year. Okay. So they're like a franchise. They have a couple different shows. Okay. And the the Toledo show is bigger than the Fort Wayne show. Oh, okay. So that's a decent. But Toledo's bigger than Fort Wayne. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, I, I love shows, I love traveling to them, but. Right now, I feel it's kind of stale because I don't have anything new or big to advertise or sell. So this year, it's basically just trying to sell originals and maybe catch a few new readers here and there. Because my regulars, they already have everything that I that I've got, unless they want like the you know the continuation of Point of Authority whenever that comes out or Screen Boy when that mm-hmm. comes out. Um, right, but there's just not a lot of new things at the moment um, until I get it. So I'm telling everyone this is my building year. I'm I'm building up more um, reading material, more artwork, more co- you know things that are are tangible that help um, building up my my portfolio a little more with uh, the trading card side of things, and just trying to recoup from last year's big hits. Uh, that was that was rough. That was a tough year, and that yeah. those were some tough conversations to have with my wife when I'd get home and she goes, "How was it?" The first couple, I'm like, you know, it it could have been better. But after you know, when you're in September, after all the the past months of of hits, it's hard to look your wife in the eye and say it wasn't good. And just to see that defeat, that's why I'm like, I'm not doing that this year. We're going to do more online yeah. stuff. I'm going to right. try to invest in new things to want people to come back. So, um, yeah, that's that's where I'm. My decision was for cutting shows this year. And and, and you got to. I mean, I mean, by the time this uh, podcast airs, Ron and I will have done the first uh, our first con for the year. We're Where's we'll that? Be in Crown Point. Uh, in Crown Point, uh, Indiana, at the uh, NWI Comic Con. Okay. So kind of the northern Indiana, Chicagoland area. Nice. Okay. But it's 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 only a couple hour drive, but it's it's nice because it's only a couple hour drive. Yeah. <laughs> to, that's and it's, that's and, it's, huge. and it's a one day show. Those are always fun. But I, but, I like the one day shows because it, it forces people to. Um, you know, buy. There's no second guessing or, hey, I'll come back. One thing I've implemented, and this is a, a just something that I, I thought of just the other day at or at my first show, was there was a woman, she goes, she loved one of my Star Wars prints that I had. And she goes, but I just got here. I'm going to walk around and said, tell you what, give me that, my business card. Because I use um, bookmarks as business cards. Mm-hmm. I, so I wrote down the print number. And what it was, and then my table number. I said, here, this way you, once you do your laps, you're going to see the, the bookmark. 
and you're going to remember, oh, I wanted to go back and see him. And it worked. She actually came back. So I, I'm leaving little notes for people because yep. in my thinking, you know, on my website, if you look at all my prints, they have numbers. And that's just mm -hmm. my inventory number um, so that they're on the print wall. I know what number to grab out of my folder. Same goes for online orders. Um, so if they're, you know, if they forget to come back and visit, they can see my, my business card and then they flip it over like, oh, yeah, they may go to my website. They can type in that number and find the print really easy. And yep. who knows, it might generate an online sale. So, you know, just trying to make it easy for them because if they're just getting to a show, I know my rule for my boys are when they're there, walk around first and then see what you want to buy. Right. And, uh, you know, they they do. And they always make really good choices when, when they do buy. So that's anytime someone stops over, I'm like, don't buy anything until you see the whole show. Get your experience yeah. in and then come back. So if I'm telling them that, I'm going to definitely leave them a note like, hey, come back to see me for this. So yeah, what don't you spend the money, in. then have regrets. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so that's because there's been times I did this at a gaming convention. Um, one of my favorite games growing up was called Army Men. It was basically mm -hmm. the green and tan Army Men. On PlayStation, sure. and we had just bought a PlayStation Two, um, just for you know retro gaming. And as I was pulling, you know, I was looking through all these cases. I found one. It's like for fifteen dollars. It was a whole game. I'm like, awesome. I don't know if I, who else is going to have this random Army Man game. So I bought it. I turn around and we go to the next table behind us at the show, and we're thumbing through. I find the Army Man game for five dollars, complete. Wow. No scratches. And I went, son of God. <laughs> I got desperate. And I, so I told my boys, I said, I should have listened to my own words. Yeah. Don't do what I just did. And they kind of yeah. laughed because, yeah, yeah. I got burned. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll wrap her, wrap her up here in a couple of minutes. I got to, I got to yeah. ask you one thing that I ask everybody. First off, <laughs> who, who was your influence? To get into to artwork, who who was your Jack Kirby? Mine was it's a an, an amalgamation of a couple people. Um, when I first started like researching artwork and comics um, at my corporate job on on like my lunch break or whatever, um, I found a gentleman named Todd Knock on YouTube, and he was doing sketches on post-it notes. And uh, so I started following along just to sort of get myself back into the groove of drawing and, and following his process. I love the way he colored. I love the way that he brought, you know, some life to his characters. I end up meeting him at C2E2 um, oh, wow. one year in 2019 when I was at, at, at the show. I set up and I finally I knew he was there. So I went over and I actually got to thank him personally for what he did on in, or on uh, YouTube, and uh, he started introducing me to all his friends, and he was just so kind. So he was a huge influence just for the way he treated me and how he described and, and showed artwork processes. But David Finch is probably my biggest influence for my art style. Todd McFarlane is my biggest influence for universe building and what he's doing with his character in world. That's what I'm striving for with Prowl. 
So a lot. And then one of my other favorite artists is Greg Capullo. He was one of the artists on the books that uh, the Batman series that got me into reading comics when I was um, first start, even getting that little nugget of an idea of doing this full time. So then the, the question then, mm-hmm. of course, being Santa Rob, granting wishes, because that's what I do. If you could do a collaboration with anyone, either dead or alive, who would it be? A collaboration? Honestly, it would probably be David Finch. That would probably be the biggest collaboration just because of who he is as a person and the wealth of knowledge he is willing to share online every Monday. I would just love to pencil something and have him ink it or vice versa. And that would just be awesome. Okay. Then uh, we'll get going. I want people to know where to get your stuff. So first off, get on Facebook, go over to Facebook and the art of Adam fields, go over Mm -hmm. there, check it out. You can keep up to date with them and leave comments we like as creators we like comments yes you know let let us know you can you can there's a great picture here of, of uh adam's table that uh, was just posted a couple days ago i'm going to assume that was at the monster monster show yep. yep and then most off go over to midnight27studios.com everything that adam talked about today is there and the, the, the first thing, you, you, I'm glad you said what you said about uh, Blue Coat Missionary. is going to say you can go on there and get it for five bucks. But, but head over to their website. Buy from them. It helps them. This is an awesome cause. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you've, got, you've got everything on, on the uh, Midnight 27 Studio site. I do. I got, I got everything that I offer at my table. So when you're, when you're there... Make sure that you head over. Obviously, you're going to be on the on the, the front page when you get in, but go when you land there. But go to the bottom of the page. You will see all of his uh, show appearances for this year. Mm-hmm. And if you want want to make fun of him, he'll be in Indianapolis. I'll be there, and we will make fun of him together. That'll be a good time. It'll be um, a fun time. And uh, I'm obviously we don't know where tables are yet, but uh, I'll be there uh, Saturday and Sunday with Ron. He'll be there all three days, but my nine to five job has to take presents at um, on that Friday. Yeah. But I got to pay the bill somehow. Cots promoters don't make money, Adam. I'm telling you that right now. I, but, I feel you. Yes. <laughs> but, but one day. Well, <laughs> if it ain't happened yet, it ain't happening. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, as I told my, tell my wife every day, I've got four years and 10 months until I can finally say see ya to my current place. You got a so, countdown timer going. The count, the countdown timer is going. One last question, and then I'm going to wrap it up with you. If somebody came up to you and let, let, let's say it's a let's say it's a teenager, mm-hmm. or somebody just say somebody young, and said, "I really like what you do. How can I do what you do? What do you, what kind of advice do you give him?" I my advice whenever I go into any school, I've had the opportunity to talk from to elementary kids, to middle school kids, to high school kids, to kids at trade schools, 
to even special needs kids, college, you name it. I've, I've talked to the, the entire range and I tell actually all of them the exact same thing. If you have passion and you have heart and you have the skill to do whatever you're wanting, whether it's art or whatever mechanic or some sort of job, just do it. Research and listen to the professionals that have made it and never think that you know everything and get an ego about yourself because there are people that I still ask questions to because they're still asking questions and growing. So my biggest advice is ask questions, listen, and then take what they say and apply it. Learn how to take critiques because they are not judgmental. They are to help you build um, onto your skills. And then just yeah. keep doing it. Just create. And it doesn't have to be for, you know, really anything. If you want to be an artist, sit and draw. It does. It can be on a post note. It can be on a scrap piece of paper. Heck, it can, you know, I if you have an iPad, download the free sketchbook app and just doodle in it. Have fun and, and draw from life. And there is no such thing as a dumb question. And no, none. And even even at my age, I still ask questions because you mm -hmm. never stop learning. No, you don't. You really don't. I, I try to learn something new every single day with artwork. Whether it's looking at an old comic book of one of my favorite artists I mentioned earlier or watching a YouTube video on something that I may have learned years ago and just kind of fallen out of step with it yeah. so always learn so, always learn adam thank you so much for taking time out to, to talk to me today i, I think uh, this was a, a good time well thank you so much this was really fun it was really nice to get a chat with you besides in passing it, well you know and and there's more to life than griping about the guy that you're the the, the person that you're next to <laughs> I, and, and I'm trying to remember the name of the instrument. I believe it was the ocarina. Ocarina. Oh, I could tell you what color it was. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, and, and no, I do not like science fiction stories about cats. No, no. Especially magical cats. Yeah, Harry Potter cats. We're good. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Let's, as we said earlier... Last year, Cincinnati was a learning experience, and thank goodness for the past. Thank <laughs> goodness for the past. <laughs> yes. But I, I will let you go. I'll see you in Indianapolis uh, in March. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and your next show is in, in uh, Cleveland on the 10th. It is. It's in Cleveland. Jeff Harper's show, the comic book nostalgia, really long name show. My, my oh. son and I go up there, and then we go to the Lake Erie afterwards just to go look at the lake. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll get out of here. I'll see you in a uh, couple months, and mm -hmm. have a great one, and thanks for being here. You too. Take care. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Right, that was a lot of fun talking to Adam Fields. Adam, thanks for being in the sleigh with Santa Rob. You were definitely slaying it. Um, go check his art artwork out. Uh, I know you're going to like what you see. Uh, thanks, Adam. 
Thanks, my awesome sponsors. Uh, Brett Christmas Mustache Wax, that's bscenterprises.com, the home of Santa Rob Mustache Wax. Use that discount code Santa Rob and save 15% on your order. And hotspotcollectiblesandtoys.com, if you love collecting things, head over to their website, find what you like, use discount code Santa Rob, it's that easy. Save 15% there too. If you like what you heard, Head over to Facebook. Hit that like button on Slaying It With Santa Rob. Leave me a comment. If you have a suggestion on something uh, or a critique, it doesn't matter. Send me an email. SantaRobPodcast at gmail.com. We've got good stuff coming up. So hit that subscribe button on whatever platform that you're listening on. And we'll see you next time on Slaying It With Santa Rob.